Welcome to the Frankly Who Cares podcast. It's the Frankly Who Cares podcast, the podcast that knows a thing or two about issuing apologies to its fans. Lots to enjoy on today's pod, including the last word from us on the European Super League. And you can look forward to an absolute cracker of a gold, silver, bronze Dean Macy. Hello, I'm Alex, joined as always by Tom. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, just just getting all my apologies lined up for all the things I've, I've done wrong this week. <laughs> been yeah. a vintage week. It really has, and we will very much be talking about that a bit later. Looking forward to today's pod, actually. I think Gold Silver Bonds, Dean Macy, is going to be an interesting one, looking at heartbreaking, soul-crushing defeats. Lots of yeah. scope for some absolute pain. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sort of treating that as therapy. Um, so yeah, that could go on quite a long, long t- time. That one. Um, I mean, I just think it it was it was really good of football to come together and sort of look at itself and say, well, everyone's going back to the pub now. They might not have very much to talk about because of lockdown, and you know they might have forgotten how to socialise. So let's just come mm. up with the most newsworthy item we can, so people have got loads of stuff to talk about. And, uh, you know, having had a bit of a session in the pub yesterday, I can confirm, you know, we didn't run out of material. So that's good. That's very good. That was good of them. Good of, good of the, the owners good to do that, I thought. So, uh, yes, we'll be getting on to that shortly. Um, we um, are, as we've said in the past, uh, available or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening to this, you're obviously on one of those. But if you are, give us a review. That will help us. And um, obviously a good review, as we've said in the past, <laughs> yeah, yeah. please. That's the key part of this. I mean, Give us a review. Four, four stars would be fine. Five is obviously... Mm. Uh, but it does look a bit suspicious that we've only got five-star reviews so far. So, you know, it just doesn't really look like that's that genuine. Yeah. I don't know. It might be because we are, you know, one of the best podcasts out there. Let's face it, if you stuck with us to this point, you obviously like the podcast. <laughs> So put your money where your mouth is. I give us a five-star review if you want to, obviously. So anything you want to uh, raise, apologise for or acknowledge? Um, it's not an outright apology. I'd, I'd raised in the baseball section that that no hitters were very unusual and, and there'd been one two days before we recorded where the guy only only missed a perfect game by hitting someone. Uh, some another pitcher did exactly the same thing three days after we recorded thus proving proving me completely wrong so <laughs> another new hitter another no hitter but still still no perfect game so um so yeah i've been been tracking amazing. quite a bit of uh, a bit of baseball so it's been uh, uh it, it's been some good stuff but yeah again it's just best to watch on instagram oh look a couple of home runs amazing bit of fielding 30 seconds done yep and I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been doing a bit of that too, following that last conversation. I think my, my main reflection on that that whole segment and the quiz was it would have given you and the listeners a massive insight into my my uh, my maths <laughs> and why I did so badly at my GCSEs. Yeah. My working was great, and then it didn't really, um, you know, that wasn't yeah. reflected in so the answers 80. I was given. What? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. I I was listening through the working thinking he's going to get quite close here. <laughs> so, uh, okay. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that explains a lot.
so obviously there's a a major news story which we're going to cover cover in some depth shortly which is the uh the european super league debacle but uh, other than that i thought it was um interesting that Mourinho got sacked uh at the beginning of the week and so there's a couple of things about that do you think he'll be more disappointed about being sacked or that it got massively overshadowed by the European Super League and no one really cares I was noticed I think he he'd be pleased that it got overshadowed because he just feels like he's got such an ego that the sacking is quite humiliating even though it was not a surprise to anyone at all because everyone seemed really miserable at Spurs they were quite playing quite miserable football and mm. they're struggling to get in the top four so it's not not been a massive massive surprise um, and what may be slightly unusual that because they're in a cup final later today to sack your manager five days before that um, slightly unusual perhaps but I, actually, I love the fact they did that I think it might be might be quite quite good, quite a good move. Um, it's they're hilarious. Gonna to, they're going to have to throw the kitchen sink at Man City, mm. and actually now the the new manager hasn't got anything to lose, has he? So um, you know they'll start bail and they will give it a go. And I don't think sitting back you keep City out. Um, and ultimately, it's just one off game, isn't it? So they they've got to give it a go. Mm. I just think sticking to a Mourinho game plan would never have worked. I, I think the real tactic there was um, it's more important that we get rid of him now so he can't say he's won a trophy <laughs> <laughs> than us winning a trophy. So let's just let's just get rid of this man now, get him out of the club, and then what will be will be <laughs> at the weekend, which I think is brilliant, petty and great. Do you think do you think he'll put that on his CV if they win the, the trophy? Oh, of course. Yeah, of course you would, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. He'll say they're his players that did it. Hmm. Yeah, the same players that he threw under the bus repeatedly over the last few months in classic Mourinho style. So yeah, of course, of course, it'll be one of his trophies, but it won't, and everyone knows it actually <laughs> yeah. won't, which is joyous. And then the flip side but of that is Ryan Mason. He's, you know, if he wins the trophy, he doesn't get Tottenham into the top four. Hmm. Uh, what a record! Because then I don't think they'll give him the job full time because that. That no. never really works, does it? I mean, the sort of Tim Sherwood caretaker made permanent disaster. Yeah, it's not. It's not no. No, I don't think. So, um, yeah, what what mm. a success rate! You know, he's going to exactly. be like four weeks, and then so he'll have won their first trophy in over a decade. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> this is all high, quite hypothetical. Man City are very good, so yeah. Uh, and we'll probably tear them a new one, but we'll see. We'll see yeah, what happens. We live in that. hope, don't we? <laughs> exactly. Uh, other, other. So something that's coming up uh, next weekend. So before we uh, we next pod is the uh, the NFL draft. And uh, now it's something usually I don't really pay much attention to. I am in a NFL fantasy league, and this year I'm I'm paying a bit more attention to it to get. A, a ridiculously early um you know head start in terms of my draft prep but um uh something that that cropped up which harks back to something we were talking about in the first podcast about like father sons and uh yeah. uh yeah yeah parent children uh uh combinations who've played sport 
so that and we were talking about this thing around people naming their kids after themselves yep yeah so one thing i noticed uh was that there are three quite highly rated um children of former nfl players in the draft lovely and uh to an extent, this uh, model has been followed. So I'm going to do a virtually impossible quiz with you <laughs> on these three players and see if you can guess um, what their, based on what I've said, what their fathers have have called them, right? Or parents have called them, I should say. Yeah. So there's three players. There's Asante Samuel. There's Joe Horn. And there's Patrick Sertain. So these are the, the the fathers who all played in the NFL. Right. Okay. Two of those have gone with uh, the, the the formula, and one of them hasn't. But it, there's a reason. See if you can work out why this one hasn't done this. Right. Uh, so I want you to try and let. I'm going to say those three names. Let me know. Which one has got which two have gone with the formula and what that is exactly? Yeah, and who the odd one out is and why? Okay. And why have I included them? All right, in this, say the names okay. again then. So, Asante Samuel, yeah, Joe Horn, and Patrick Sertain. So, right, start with Asante Samuel. What is the child called? I think he'll be called Asante Samuel the third. Okay, All right. Come back to that shortly. Um, Joe Horn. I think Joe Junior. So I, I don't like the way jo, Joe Junior, Joe Horn Junior sounds. It sounds it's a bit clumsy. So he's either called JJ or something like that, or he's called him Joseph. Like a full version or a slightly different version of the same name. Okay, interesting. Right, and that leaves Patrick Sertain. Uh, so I think he's the junior, the straightforward Patrick Sertain Jr. Okay. Oh, interesting answers. So, right, here's here's what's actually happened. Not bad. You'll think it was exactly along the right <laughs> lines, right? And you probably pretty much are going to give you a point for the for the hardest one. So, Asante Samuel. Junior, oh. not not the third. He's the junior. That's a good name. Uh, yeah. yeah, it is. Patrick Sertain the second, which means that the other one is is Joe Horn, who didn't call this child Joe Horn. He'd already called his first child <laughs> Joe Horn, of course, <laughs> Junior, uh, and he didn't really get to NFL level, but he called this son J.C. Horn. So the principle that you came up with is absolutely right. He called it oh. something a bit different. So not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah, I'll take that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good to see. And yeah, those were the only <laughs> yeah the only father son um, ones that I could see that had highlighted, and all of them in one way or another have stuck with that sort of approach. So that was good. So yes, NFL draft coming up soon I thought that was interesting uh, anything else from you from the news um, yeah so I've got one uh, another one relating to American sport which we haven't discussed before uh, which is ice hockey um, so this week Patrick Marlowe has broken the all time appearance record in the NHL of 1,768 games 
So we know they like we like they like playing a lot of matches. So it's only only eighty two games in a hockey regular season. So mm. uh, that's still you know over twenty as a playing. So he's forty one, uh, and I always think that's a good effort playing that much in the NHL where concussions are fairly common. You know, it's it's a pretty physical, hard hitting sport. Uh, and then I was sort of reading about him a bit more, and of those seventeen hundred, uh, Wednesday night was due to be his nine hundredth successive game. Wow! <laughs> so, In a sport that physical. Yeah, yeah, and so and he's uh, so he says he's two hundred and twenty pounds, so that's about sixteen stones. So he's probably six foot two, so like the sort mm. of. You know, knees, ankles, all those sorts of things. You know, of a size where you could have long-standing problems on, on that. And um, yeah, he's just like ridiculously fit, um, and he yeah just doesn't miss games. There was there's stories about him like getting on IV drips when he's got the flu, so he can still play. And it just I mean, you've got yeah, you, you've you've got. A, appreciate that level of, of consistency because um, there's there's baseball ones where guys have played like a thousand games in a row but right. some of the positions in baseball you're just really standing there and standing around yeah yeah catching it's, the ball it's not um, and NHL is very intense I mean it is quite it's short bursts because you go on and off a hell of a lot but um, yeah it's um, quite an impressive feat I thought Shall we move on then to discuss the big story of the week in some detail? Because uh, yeah. people clearly haven't heard enough about this. So Absolutely. let's talk about the European Super League debacle, uh, which uh, sort of started um, uh, being put out there last Sunday, didn't it? And uh, there were rumours that 12 clubs were going to break away um, and from the UEFA competitions and form their own European Super League, protecting themselves from relegation as part of that league, um, and that there were three other clubs who were close to joining it, and then there'd be five other clubs that could, uh, um, <laughs> based on merit, join them every season. Uh, it even sounds silly to uh, yeah, say. They out just loud. put that in as a joke. That that bit about <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So. Um, so that's what came out, and then on the Monday, one by one, uh, these clubs started officially announcing that they had joined this and formed this new Super League. So where do we start on this? I mean, there's so so much to to to, to talk about, so many ridiculous aspects of this. But what's your initial take on it, it? It took me a while to kind of get my head around it, and then by the time I got my head around it, I think it was over. So it 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 sort of. I couldn't initially I thought they were pulling out of the Premier League and I and I thought that's why everyone hates it so much. Mm. Um and then it's like oh no well they're basically trying to guarantee a position where they can play in Europe. But then I didn't think it was clear that this is instead of the Champions League or as well as or and then what happens to the Champions League, you know, if you're champions of Sweden, you're are you never going to get into this. You know, that. Mm-hmm. And and so to have something where they're creating a new competition where they're protected from... I mean, it's not 
a surprise. I think what what do people expect these billion pound owners who aren't making enough money from the clubs <laughs> to do? Um, and in terms of the sort of, there's been quite a lot of talk about. So the German clubs were sort of held up as paragon of virtue that that they're sort of they're fifty percent owned by their fans. Yeah, could that be brought into the British system? I was like, I can't see that that's that's doable. Yeah. Really because no, in a word, yeah. You just and and I've had quite conversations with friends who are like, well, it's political. Like the politicians can do what they want. It's like, well, in theory they can do they want, but they won't, will they? Because there's quite a lot of European rules which we still work under, which you know you can't just force people to to sell companies. And the German model has been it's been like that for as long as um, you know it was introduced, and it was almost from all clubs going forward, but you still have one that's basically run by Volkswagen um, you've got Red Bull Leipzig like explain to me how they're uh, 50% fan owned I think that's a sort of an aberration that everyone sort of forgets about mm-hmm. um, and so it 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 just I just feel myself saying well, what, what do people expect quite a lot <laughs> Um, but also, what did the owners expect? I mean, did they expect this to go down well? Or Well, this is the, the, the thing. So what did people expect? I mean, people have known for a while that, that this has been plotted. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a minute, we'll get to some of the apologies as well and, and how ridiculous some of them are based on the fact that we know that this has been plotted uh, for, for years. Years. That, you know, um, Florentino Perez from Real Madrid has wanted this since well a minimum of 15 years he's been yeah. he's been sort of leading this um so yes people knew it was coming uh but still i think there's two things a lot of people thought even when it was in uh, rumored on sunday or sort of mooted then people thought oh, this is a power play uh because uefa are uh, launching the you know the, the newly revamped champions league and they, they want obviously to to use this as a chance to have more influence over that it turned out no that wasn't the case they were just going full throttle for this this new <laughs> league um but it, how did so yes even though people knew it was coming as you said how could they have not thought that literally no one else is going to support this who we really do need to support this for it to work yeah so the other cl- owners of all the clubs in those leagues and around Europe, who now would have to scramble around for five places um, to, to join this elite club, um, the the lack of understanding of like the all the, the bodies, the the, the like national FAs and UEFA themselves and FIFA that they would just roll over and say this is fine. The fans weren't thought about at all. That that was not even a consideration. These people that the fans might not like this because maybe they thought, well, it just means we get to play all these um, big teams every now and then. Who's not going to like that? Shockingly out of touch. It's all of that part of it. How how was there nobody in those organisations who went, mm, yeah, there's a few flaws with this plan because nobody else is going to support this and it's going to cause a massive massive backlash. <laughs> they seemed surprised by the backlash. Yeah, I. I mean, it's not for they. They did call them legacy fans, didn't they? The sort of our old fans and sort of wonderful Arsenal. That was yeah, yeah. To their faces, legacy fans. Yeah, and it, it, 
and it feels like they the thought process i'm trying to give them credit that there was actually a thought process but that they sort of said well you know if we play real madrid every week all our fans will love that because you know Man United and Real Madrid are two of the biggest teams ever so what, what everyone wants to see is them play every week and that's kind of a, a bit of a model of the American system is that you, you have rivalries and you play them regularly and you don't play as some of the other teams hardly at all um, but it's just kind of it's not really what you want and actually you know you you get a bit tired of playing the same people every you know like um Arsenal play Olympiacos in the Europa League every single exactly, year. and it's like, oh yeah. God, not again. You know, you that would happen. And more importantly, how are we going to play Olympiacos under this new system? Well, yeah. why wasn't that considered? <laughs> exactly. So, well, maybe they're one of the ones. Uh, I mean, it, it, it could have been quite interesting if they, of the five that were attributable on merit, four attributed on merit, and one that was completely random and could be any club picked at random from around Europe so uh-huh. like God, maybe I should have suggested that Cambridge or you know <laughs> uh, Gothenburg Sutton United or, yeah it could be absolutely anyone um, or you could maybe give it to the club who got the most yellow cards in a season so if you are having a really bad season you then just throw your, all your mm. eggs in the other basket and go right guys let's just be really cynical for the rest of the season we can try and get into the European Super League that way that's brilliant See, if they'd have consulted us, this may have actually gone through. I, think, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> as, as a fan um, of one of the guilty six, do you? What was your sort of initial <laughs> embarrassment or anger? Um, it was embarrassment. So, as as an Arsenal, Arsenal really successful club. So, I know that say, that there's no pity going to come from saying this, but. In the Emirates era, there's been a lot to not like about being an Arsenal fan. There's been like calamitous defeats, so many like horrendous. As, as even this season like, and last season, really appalling defeats that have just been, you know, we've been mocked mercilessly for. for. There's been massive thrashings at the heart at, at the hands of our big rivals. Tons of them: Chelsea, Man United. There's been shockingly bad transfers and, and, and things like that. None of those things have embarrassed me. They've caused other things like anger and annoyance, and just just worn me down. This is the first time <laughs> yeah. that I felt embarrassed, really, right. really embarrassed. Um, if, as an Arsenal fan, um, the Arsenal talk a lot and have talked a lot and to be honest in most of our my time watching them have behaved in a certain way um that is you know the reason people call them the arsenal uh, uh, from a long time ago is because that emerged from there was an arsenal way of doing things way back the arsenal way and and they talk about the, pr- the principles of the club and the values of the club and that's still talked about today i don't know that that was completely thrown out of the window um as part of this but also the spinelessness of, of of it, and we will move on to apologies in a minute, but um, just some of the stuff that Arsenal have said about why they got involved um, is is just, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Arsenal at the moment, if it was anything to do with merit, shouldn't be anywhere near this, this league. Um, yeah, and that's, they're not the only, I mean, they didn't seem to get that as badly as Spurs. I think people were objecting to Spurs' inclusion a bit more, as, as despite the fact mm. that 
above Arsenal at the moment, and they've you know been in the Champions have League been for a few quite, years quite quite recently, and and yeah, so that was strange that everyone you know it was in quite a lot of places referred to as the the five best clubs and Spurs, and, <laughs> but. But you could argue, I mean, just on that point, you could argue that, I mean, Manchester City and Chelsea would be nowhere near this if it wasn't for just vast amounts of money being um, put into those those clubs. So, at the, yeah. you know, they've been taken over by rich owners uh, and that's why they're attract, an attractive proposition because they've won lots of stuff, they can fund more success, etc. Spurs were, from the point time when there was a big, what was it, a big five in the 80s, they were one of those... So as a club, Spurs, you know, have have, you could argue more right in terms of their history and tradition and just their status that's remained pretty constant than some of those others. It's all purely about, and and this is what, again why the apologies, which we should probably move on to now, um, are so disingenuous. Is it's purely about money. So what they've all, most of them have said in their apologies is. Um, that we uh, we made a mistake um, and we're sorry, right? Most of them have, have, have yeah. included that in their apologies. So it is it wasn't a mistake. The only thing that they're sorry about is that they got caught. They got caught out. Yeah, and didn't go through with it. I, um, in a way, I felt I th- I thought Man City and Chelsea. Um, I mean, in the same way, I I sort of put them in there they've bought success and if like you're a fan of those two clubs they certainly would fall into the category of well what did you expect from your billionaire owners who bought the success did you think they were just gonna let you carry on doing what you want with the club Mm. Um, and there's billionaire owners throughout leagues and millionaires and throughout the leagues and it's not just these six clubs like Villa on Villa fan Villa have got billionaire owners who have put money into the club and so I'd like to think that if it was the top 10 clubs you know we might have been included and in this conversation but do you think those four clubs would have said oh no I, this doesn't feel right not, not well sure <laughs> well so <laughs> I know what you're saying but at the same time um, that could and should have been what some of them have done that had done based on these so-called apologies so arsenal one of the, the quotes coming out of arsenal was around how the train was about to leave the station and they didn't want to be left behind yeah so no consideration of principles whatsoever and no consideration of even the practical side of actually is this actually going to work um which some of the other clubs who are notable by their absence obviously thought about um Similarly, um, who's the other club that said a similar thing? Chelsea. Chelsea, Chelsea and yeah. Man City sort of jumped on board because, you know, it was going to happen. And Chelsea's, Chelsea's um, statement does talk about, like, being almost like they were surprised that this came along and they had to make a quick decision. Yeah. Absolute I, nonsense. I, and in a way, so I think the sort of Man United and Liverpool who have... Um, they were they were sort of much more intrinsic, and they're the the really valued brands. I think you could ignoring the the fact that 
the, the foreign investment I think Man United and Liverpool have been the two biggest clubs you know we talked about that before they were always going to be involved in that sort of thing definitely um, but they had a bit more of the courage of their convictions to say yeah this will work for us um, and they ignored the fans coming to that decision whereas yeah. and then they so their apologies that, that they just got it completely wrong I think that that feels a bit more it's not genuine because none of them feel that genuine but it feels like at least they had the courage of their convictions to make a decision whereas Chelsea it just feels like they're making excuses to why they made that and it's a bit of like one of those political oh, I'm sorry if it upset you it's like that's not an apology <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true but yeah you're right I mean we're, we're obviously judging these by the all, all of it is completely wrong but we're sort of just yeah. within yeah, that yeah. we're sort of <laughs> trying to say who's who's responded in the best way and I agree with you and both Liverpool and I think Man United both had an element of their statements that said we still think that stuff needs to change and what have yeah. you so they're sort of keeping a bit of a door open so they're being a bit more honest and Liverpool's owner actually did a, a video which it's I weird, think isn't it? Some, it, it was weird <laughs> it was weird but it probably moves them up the ranking apology rankings because not only did he put his name to it but he put his face to it Arsenal yeah. had this nameless faceless we uh, we made a mistake and we this that and the other before then saying to the fans well yeah it's obviously like your your wet Wednesdays in Stoke, don't you, you legacy fans? So, um, yeah, so embarrassing, so embarrassing. But, but um, yeah, so I think all of them obviously had to respond in some way. But I think it's really particularly embarrassing the ones that that tried to say we would we had to go along with it. That's that's really, really, really poor. Yeah, I I think so. One thing I'd want to talk about would be so what's wrong with the Champions League at the moment in your view as a fan so you go to the Emirates a couple of times a season in normal mm-hmm. circumstances but you're not a season to colder so what because at the moment it's pretty meritocratic really in that you know yeah. clubs like Wolves have who were in League One two or three years ago have have a route where they can get to you know the Champions League and it might be through winning the Europa League or it might be through sneaking fourth place one year or, or whatever. Hmm. And is it that the Champions League is failing in some way? And we can talk hmm. about that. Because it seems to me that the English clubs, and whether, again, there's enough self-awareness to do this, but if I was one of those six now, I'd be thinking... I've just been used by Real Madrid, Barcelona and the Milan clubs who haven't got who are basically in financial peril because they've spent too much money and they need us more than we need them so what, you know what is wrong, the Premier League is making loads of money the Champions Mm. make loads of money and those clubs in the various different leagues can have a share of that pie Mm -hmm. I mean I think the Champions League's great, um, and the, the only thing I'd say is it's perhaps the group stages are a little bit predictable in that you pretty much know the two teams who are going to go through. So, but not always, and and I do I don't think it massively needs to change. And the 
the, the, Europa, the UEFA proposals to change it sounded awful. And those changes are, are well, as things sound, going through, which is mm. more of a, a league-based system with like two, two, two larger leagues. You don't necessarily have to play people home and away, but you'll play more games, and then it still goes into a last sixteen and carries on as it as it was. Yeah. Um, which again, it, it does sound awful. So from my perspective, um, I think you've summed it up. Actually, I don't think there's much wrong with the Champions League, except as as you know, Arsenal haven't been in for a few years, but there was a point where you could guarantee we're going to get drawn in group with Barcelona and get knocked out, uh, or, or rather, we were going to get drawn in a group with Bayern Munich and lose both matches, or you know, not quite. And Olympiacos. Olympiacos would always be in there, yeah. yeah. And at some point, we'd give, be effectively eliminated by, by Bayern or Barca. That <laughs> happened for about five years in a row, I think. It yeah. felt like that. And there were, there were certainly times when it felt exhausting. Like, I know it's a luxury problem to have, but <laughs> but to lose, um, to just get to that point and know it's it, it's over, just anything different, just drawing anybody different would have been good. And it just, there's something about it, it, just, it does get a, a little bit predictable. That's not the issue, though, for, for these owners, is it? I mean, they've, they've generally done um, really well all of those you know most of those clubs have done quite well um and and are making more money than the rest of the clubs really because of their consistency um well you could argue man you have sort of found a a different level recently because they're not quite where they were they'll be back in champions league next year but they you know so there is a there is peril there is a risk of them not getting earning that money and that's what this is all about from a fan's point of view you know we've talked this season about some of the brilliant games that we've that we've watched um there's real good entertainment and the quality is really really good it's the best quality of football that you generally see once you get to the knockout stages yeah group stages yes maybe could be could be changed a bit but even then there's still some a few gems in there so i don't think there's much wrong with it it and from a from a fan point of view and the, the you know the way the fans have reacted to this shows that the most important thing to us is it is the the it's the fact that it means something. So those matches mean something, and those latter stages of Europa League actually count for something for a club like Arsenal. And without that peril, that that sense that you might not be there the next season, um, I mean that drives what you do in terms of your the league, and it drives how you you handle your European matches as well. You know, it's all about, um, and that, and that's that's the thing that so that for the fans is the most important thing and then the quality of the football is good and I remember I re- used to really enjoy the, the Champions the Champions League always felt special when I went you hear the music at the beginning see him waving that massive thing in the middle it was it, it feels like a good competition yeah. and it, it could be altered a bit so I don't think there's much wrong much wrong with it um, and these things evolve over time I think the current proposals aren't great but for the for the clubs involved it was never about that it was never about that it was purely about them making themselves more money what are some of the more creative ways then that we could uh, punish these uh, clubs and owners? Have you got some in mind, and then I can scrutinise? I've, I've got them. one. Go on then. I've so, as punishment, they should for the next three seasons not be allowed to wear their home colours, uh, and they can only wear away kits that they've had in the past, uh, as chosen by the fourteen clubs who didn't enter. So I'm thinking the grey and orange Chelsea kit. Do you remember that one? Oh, wow. Yeah. 
So who, ideally, who remember it? which has sponsors on that have gone bust, so they don't get any money for sponsorship. Um, <laughs> nice. Uh, so uh, Commodore, which was one of the historic, uh, or Amiga, uh, were the Chelsea ones. So and Man United would obviously have to wear the grey kit. Um, oh, good. That's nice. From from the Southampton game. Um, so I'm sure you've got an Arsenal one in mind that's pretty, well, pretty awful. Well, I'm just thinking along the sponsor. Not as bad as some of the other ones. But. No, but I'm thinking along the sponsor line. We we um, we had to change one of ours from Sega to Dreamcast because I think Sega was a rude word in Italy or something like that. <laughs> so, so maybe one of those could come back out. Nice. I mean, uh, I did actually yeah. think obviously that that's a sort of a, a jokey one, but um, actually making them wear completely plain kits just with the badge on would lose them loads of revenue and also the fans would really like those kits so they'd become like yeah. after and they'd never buy any new kits when that stopped because it's like because i really like the scotland rugby um the world cup shirts because they don't have sponsors on so i've mm. always bought those so That's something like that. well what if what if the club still you know had to be responsible for producing these kits uh, and selling them, but all the money went into the rest of the league pyramid outside of their kind of beyond, you know, other divisions, grassroots. So, a system similar to that happens in America, where um, my understanding is that if you buy a New York Yankees cap, the the revenue is shared between all the clubs. So, wow. there is some Sweet. kind of, uh, but bizarrely. Some of the criticism of, of what everything's happened this week is we're not America. It's not an American system. It's like well, no, because actually the American system is about making it very even between the top clubs. It's just there's no movement between the two, so they're not. It's not even an American system really. It's just picking, cherry picking the bits they want. Mm. You can, you know, Real Madrid and Barcelona are suggesting this, but they see themselves as being top five in this Super League every season. That's you know that's part of it. Whereas you yeah. can't, it's very hard to do that in American sport because you give all the good prospects to the worst clubs and True. some revenue sharing, there's a salary cap in some of the sports. So it is, you know, rubbish really. <laughs> yeah. So what, what's your idea for uh, punishment? Ah, right. So mine um, is, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm struggling to see any flaws with this plan. So see if you can, uh, you can come up with a few. Um, if any, uh, the uh, now technology needs to move on a little bit. But do you do you watch Black Mirror? Have you ever seen I've um, I've watched a couple. So the thing about Black Mirror, which is all about the dark side of technology, uh, and this sort of almost like alternative universe where uh, certain things are are in place, like for example, and and the thing about Black Mirror is um, some of these things have actually happened. And starting to, you know, this whole right. thing about Charlie Brooker, who created it, was obviously seen into the future. The first episode involved the Prime Minister and a pig, for example. Oh, I'm that's I'm not sure if I've seen. So one I've seen has you can basically kind of rewind through your memories and watch them again. Ah, oh, one of the great ones. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a really that's good one. That's a brilliant one. So it's that sort of thing. There was a, you, there's one with where these ro robot dogs are, uh, are hunting people down. You might have seen recently some of these, these real like robot dogs that have been created. So what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say is what I'm saying isn't that far fetched really. There was an episode of Black Mirror 
where and it's probably the best one john ham from mad men was the the, the 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 main character in it and he does some illegal online stuff so the punishment for him is he gets blocked but blocked in real life so a chip i think gets inserted so that he can no longer see or interact with people he walks around in a world where everything's a blur and everyone sort of sees him in that way as well so all you so he's he's walking around you can sort of move around the 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 right the, the planet but you can't really right and um, what so what here's what i'm thinking i i saw something a couple of days ago where some of the uh, the owners of the other 14 clubs were saying if these uh, owners try and turn up these six try and turn up at our meetings in future we're going to we're going to blank them so like, ah so how about then they've got a choice all these owners have a choice they either have to change their club's ownership model to a fan based one this whole 51% thing they can do that and they could do that willingly i know there are some shareholder issues but that's for them to sort out or they can be blocked black mirror style for the next five years those those them and all the people that have made the decisions around this uh get blocked uh and once they come out of that 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 blockage they can do do what they want but they have to choose to either just give up the club turn it into fan ownership or suffer that fate so they can still attend those meetings but they won't be able to participate <laughs> and uh not just blocked there but blocked in life generally from everyone including their families <laughs> i can't really see a flaw in that but you might be able to i mean apart from it being based on technology that doesn't exist no i, I don't think there at, is the moment, probably. at the moment probably yeah mm. i i yeah uh, i think that that would probably probably work i mean ah mm. yeah that uh, i mean apart from it the, the one flaw which is completely <laughs> fundamental I, I i can't see any others oh excellent good so i think so we've, we've solved two... it that does sound like we solved it hopefully the powers that be are listening to this pod i'm sure they are listening to this podcast yeah and we've pretty much solved between us i think we've solved it now yeah two good options for them it's time for gold silver bronze dean macy which this week is focusing on heartbreaking soul crushing defeats uh, so uh, before we get on with that, Tom, do you just want to remind everyone what this segment's all about? Yeah, so gold, silver, bronze, Dean Macy. So we come up with a podium of our best examples uh, of, of uh, short lists. So um, as Al said, crushing defeats this week. And the fourth slot, which is named after a famous Olympian fourth place specialist, Dean Macy, which is usually a slightly different uh it has a slightly different merit to it, but we've um, last time we just put a fourth place one on because 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 they're all quite good examples. So maybe we'll do that again this time. So so do you want to kick off with a crushing defeat? Yeah. Okay. Right. So this first one. So three of these came to me quite easily, including this one. Uh, and th this is more of a series series of defeats, but the first one in particular is crushing. But it's the combination of them that makes it the, so utterly devastating for fans of this team and this is an nfl one it's the buffalo bills in the early 90s who were the only team to get to um four super bowls in a row they lost all of them um so 
the and obviously the way it works in American football is you get you've got two conferences, the AFC and the NFC. So to you win that, the two winners of that play in the Super Bowl. So they won their conference four years in a row and got to the Super Bowl and lost. It's hard to get to one Super Bowl for for a team. To get to get to four is un- incredible, and then to lose them obviously devastating. But the first uh, game uh, of those is one of the most famous defeats. Uh, and made four more famous by what followed, but one of the most famous defeats in the Super Bowl. So uh, in ninety, it was a nineteen ninety season. Uh, the Buffalo Bills versus the New York Giants, and with eight seconds to go, Buffalo Bills have a forty-seven yard field kick to to win it. So that's sort of a place kick, and you know, you just need to kick it through the post, and you're done. Uh, Scott Norwood whose name I've remembered all these years because of how infamous this moment is and uh, um, was was the kicker for the Bills at the time. He steps up. It was on grass, not an artificial pitch. Apparently his range on grass, which is a bit more difficult, uh, apparently, is was was that was right at the edge of how far he could kick it. Steps up and the famous commentary is, it's up and it's wide right it goes wide right so all you need to do is mention wide right in american sport and people think about scott norwood and the fact that that was the moment when the bills didn't win so they lost that that uh, that super bowl then the next year they're back they lose 37 24 to the washington redskins as they were named then the next year they're back in the uh, 92 season they lose 52 17 an absolute crushing defeat oh, to the cowboys yeah and now by this time people are talking about the bills as like the perennial losers no one even wants them to go back to the super bowl ever again because it's just too embarrassing even people within their conference are saying let's stop them from going they're embarrassing us (laughs) someone needs to beat them so they're not in the super bowl again they go a fourth time now i watched a documentary uh uh, the other day which popped up and i knew i was going to be including them in this and it's about that team it's called the four falls of buffalo and it's really good and it talks about those uh those those games uh and the moment when they finally as a team uh realized okay this is over wasn't in any of those three matches in those that final one they were leading at half time uh and um thurman thomas their uh um uh running back uh fumbles the ball early in the second half and it, they turn it over and the opposition uh, go on to score and to a man all of them said that was the moment where we just gave up the ghosts and they got thrash- beaten again 30-13 and lost and they knew that was the end of the era at that exact moment so four four defeats in a row the first of which some of the players have never really got over um, the, the kicker you could tell even now he's emotional in that documentary when he's talking about it, although the fans absolutely treated him really, really well when they had like their homecoming parade after the first first one. Um, but you can tell they've all got this real regret. You got there four times. That's a magnificent achievement. They're one of the best teams in NFL history, but just because they couldn't get over the line, that's this thing that scarred them uh, throughout their careers that, and lives. That's the thing, isn't it, with these sort of teams that are often referred to as chokers, the All Blacks had it in rugby or cups for a while and it's just like but they're so, they're really good, I mean it's unparalleled that they've got this far but just to fall at the last is 
adds to the crushing element of of that. So I've um I just while while you were going through those Super Bowls, I had a quick look up who did the um halftime shows for some of those. Oh beautiful. Go yeah, on. Yeah, uh, ninety one. Oh, right. Whitney Houston? Uh Was it? Nope. Ah. So was it nine ninety to ninety three inclusive? Ah right. So um the nineteen ninety season was yes, the ninety one yeah, ninety one to ninety three when the Super Bowls took place. Yeah. Uh, oh right, okay, yeah. So um Or ninety four rather, yeah. Ninety four. Ninety one to ninety four. Yeah. So uh so ninety one, new kids on the block. Oh god. Gloria two uh sorry, ninety two, Gloria Stefan. Um, right. But it was a salute to the ninety two Winter Olympics, which was mm-hmm. probably a bit uh a few months after that. Michael Jackson ninety three. Ah, that's yeah. strong. Uh, it looks very much country and western the 94 one because I don't recognise any of them and I'm just looking at <laughs> pictures of them and they've all got bejeweled shirts on so. actually right so it must have been 90, the actual Super Bowl itself must have been 1990 not 91 the first one so what did you just yeah. oh, so, not, oh, so that is so that would have been Whitney no it's not Whitney it's jazz it's again. It's, it's oh, I know. All right. So it's I know. What I'm doing to avoid to avoid an apology next time. I'm thinking of who sang the national anthem because uh... it's the famous Whitney Houston national anthem, which people say is the greatest thing that they've they've ever heard. Um, that she sang in the the first defeat, I think. Right. So yes, uh, strongly some there's a good, yeah a mix of absolute greatness absolute stinkers. Absolute... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh... Well. Well, should we? Um, we'll go yeah, on. Yeah, what's your next. first one? Yeah. So, um, so this is a bit of a favourite moment. So, obviously, I've got loads of Scotland rugby ones, and I've picked one of those out. Um, obviously, is, but I'm going to start off with a football one because uh, I felt this this was a a real changing of the guard. Uh, so, October 2011. Uh, are you familiar with the phrase "Why always me"? <laughs> I certainly am. Yes. So, and um, um, I can't believe this is nearly ten match. years ago. So yeah, um, Manchester United won Manchester City six at Old Trafford, uh, and I've just taken a, a quote from the BBC website on it um, to just to raise the profile of the lunatic that was Mario Balotelli. Mario Balotelli in the headlines for accidentally setting his house ablaze with fireworks, put City on their way with goals either side of the interval. Palatelli, recognition of those latest uh, chaotic events in his personal life, revealed a t-shirt bearing the slogan, Why Always Me? Despite the evident good humour of the gesture, he was booked by referee Mark Lamberg. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, So this was a couple of years after maybe Man City had started getting some real serious investment and they had a pretty a pretty strong side they got Tevez from Man United um, and so and this was the year so 2011-2012 season is the one that culminated in Aguero Man City winning the title uh, Man United mm-hmm. won the title the following year which was the Van Persie season uh, and then haven't that was Fergie's last title and they haven't won it since whereas Man City have won a, a further three more titles. Um, and yeah, it just felt like 
the the time when Man City almost became the real genuine out and out threat title contenders mm. that that they obviously did turn out to be in the long term as well. Um, but yeah, Man United getting absolutely bad at home. Yeah, I just remember Balotelli revealing that T-shirt, and I was just that is utter genius. It was superb. Uh, so interestingly, um, I don't know if you've seen any of those um, BBC or heard any of them uh, top tens that they're doing match of the day top tens. Yeah, where um, uh, um, Michael R- Richards has uh, has joined now last yeah. year. I think it yeah. was Wright and Shearer, and he was talking about Balotelli uh, recently in one of them. I can't remember what the uh, what the category what what the top ten was, but anyway, he's talking about Balotelli. And he said he was always blamed for everything. So anything would go wrong and Mancini would blame him. And they sort of came to blows on the on, on, <laughs> on the training ground famously once and had to be held back. And he, he just said, yeah, it kept happening. And he said there was one particular thing where, you know, he, he got the blame. And they were asking him, right, you know, and, and it was another player and he took the blame and he didn't say what it was. And I'm saying, oh, come on, give us, you know, give us an idea of what it was. You've got to give us an idea. He said, mm, no, if I tell you, you'll immediately know. I wonder if it was setting the house. <laughs> I if someone else had set the house because he then comes out with a Why Always Me t-shirt. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, I thought that was interesting. It, uh, there was so, that yeah. s- story of he got stopped outside a nightclub and the police found mm. 10 grand in his boot. And they were like, why have you, why have you got 10 grand in your car? And he's like, because I'm really rich. <laughs> Genius. Balotelli. So, yeah. who, and and with that with that goal where he just he calmly sort of just shows the why was me, he doesn't really celebrate it, does he? And then people so cool. jump so in. Cool. He, he did, did that. Do you remember when he oh, go on, you go? Um so that year we went to a friend's wedding in Italy, uh, and mm. Italy got to the Euros final, but the, the night we arrived, Italy beat Germany in the semi. Yes, and he scored at least if not both the goals, Two. he scored one absolute cracker as well. I think he scored both. Yeah. And we were in Pisa that night, and um, we just we flew in quite late, and we just went out for a drink after we'd got sort of got to the hotel, and it was like classic Italian Euro scenes: people on the back of flatbed lorries with flares going around, <laughs> those massive bangs every five seconds, and you're just like, this is so stereotypical Italian reaction <laughs> to this. It was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> That's good, and uh, and he didn't celebrate really those two goals. And then afterwards, he he was asked, and he said, "Does a postman celebrate when he <laughs> delivers a letter?" <laughs> Got that, oh, Balotelli. Yeah. So that's my uh, my first nomination. Nice. I like it. I like it. Right. So my next one. I've got to admit, has been on my list to use this at some point because there's so many different gold, silver, bronze, Dean Macy's, this could be in. It nearly went into the rivalry one, dual one, but I thought, oh, let's let's use it now in case I don't get another chance soon. It's a tennis one. So if I was to say to you, without Googling it, Isna Mahu, does that mean anything? John, in, John Isna, Nicholas Mahu. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I've thought about it as well. <laughs> yeah, and the, the photo in particular. I looked this up a couple of weeks ago, and I can't think this is the photo after the game. It's just absolutely yeah. genius. Two broken men stood next to each other holding up... Is it that one? Holding up some sort of award that they got? It's it's not... No, this is straight after the match, so they, they take a photo mm. of posing next to the scoreboard, but obviously yeah. one of them uh, right, lost, yeah. so he's yeah, yeah. furious. 
<laughs> and probably exhausted. So, yeah. um, so that's that's the now. So, do you remember? So, it's quite new, um, recent in your mind. But do you remember what this score was? So, this is a Wimbledon first round men's singles match that goes on for three days. <laughs> do you remember what the score was? Uh, I, I, because I've seen it recently, wasn't it? In 70, the final set, seventy sixty eight. Seventy. 68 in the final set so when i looked this up um uh, a couple of weeks ago a few weeks a few weeks ago when i added it to the list i was thinking it, the, the final set was ridiculous it was like what was it they got into the 50s or something 70 68 it doesn't even make any sense how can you play that much tennis in one, <laughs> one set without anybody breaking so so obviously the reason why this is a, a, a soul-crushing defeat um is because playing for that long, that many set, sets, uh, sorry, that many games, and then losing is obviously going to be an absolutely devastating thing. Um, but if you look at some, I mean, some of the statistics from this match, so there were <laughs> um, only three service breaks in 183 games. What? Um, there were 980 points played in the game. <laughs> this is one of my favourites. There were a, <laughs> 168 consecutive service games where there weren't any breaks of serve. <laughs> it's absolutely mad, isn't it? <laughs> um, it's mad. So the fifth set alone lasted 8 hours and 11 minutes, which is longer than any previous match in tennis history. <laughs> Not just set, obviously. Um... Uh, Isner hit 113 aces, Mahu hit 103, 490 winners overall. It's just all of it's ridiculous. So Mahu lost in the first round, and for that he got £11,250, which feels like that wouldn't have even covered his physio. and uh, like the minimum you know. wage at that rate. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, what? Um, so, you know, in a way... They both sort of lost because obviously Isna got knocked out in the next round, and yeah, the yeah. fact they even made it to the court was was a miracle, to be honest. Um, and it is obviously there's there's a an upside in that it's one of the most famous matches in history, so both their names will be remembered in that way. But to, I can't imagine. I mean, to play that long and lose. Oh, so they changed the rules, the haven't they? Now, so um, that's right. So there's a fifth. But, yeah. A tiebreaker in the fifth set at 12 all now. At 12 all because of that match, yeah. Because um, Wimbledon was one of the, the only one to do to have that rule where it didn't go to a tiebreaker. Now they've changed it exactly for that, I think. But um, so I'm just looking up uh, mm. some, the, the longest. So it's the longest professional match by four hours. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now the Grand Slam matches are longer aren't they than normal matches so that's not necessarily a surprise but um but the um one of the longest uh because actually tie breaks are a bit more recent than a lot of people realize so there have been Wimbledon finals which there was like 20 it was 2018 in the second mm. set and things like that so there's mm -hmm. a I've just got um one of the long the longest one before tiebreak era uh, which is um, McEnroe, Mats Wallander in the Davis Cup, and it was the score was nine seven six two fifteen seventeen three mm. six eight six. So yeah, I mean that is still you know way yeah. shorter than 
than that one. Yeah, that, yeah. That's a, that is a good one. That is a good one, that one. It's almost incomprehensible. 70, 68, one set. Mad. Yeah. Okay. Right, what's your next one? So, my next one is... Uh, so, it, it, when it comes to crushing defeats, um, Scotland rugby in the 2000s, pretty strong, pretty strong competition. So I'm very intrigued to see which one you're picking here. So... I've got honourable mentions, so uh, for various different reasons. So a lot of them around personal kind of experience of the game. So uh, lost to Argentina by one point in 2011 World Cup. I had to get up at seven o'clock to watch that game with a massive hangover because it was my girlfriend's birthday the night before. So I got up really hungover to see a soul-crushing defeat. <laughs> World Cup 2015, the famous game against Australia, lost to a last-minute penalty, which shouldn't have been a penalty. Oh. Uh, World Cup 2019, we'd been really good for four years in the lead up to this World Cup and had a big first big game was against Ireland. Uh, again, got up, got up early to watch it because of the time zone thing and we just got crushed. We were awful. It was about 30 nil or something. It was just mm. oh, the the absolute worst. And and then um, one which wasn't as crushing because we were terrible at the time, but on my 30th birthday, we lost at home to Tonga, which is like, oh, cheers, lads. So, um, and that that ended sacking the manager, and and actually that was probably the the real low point. So, but the one I've picked is from 2010, and and it's mostly talked about as one of the most miraculous comebacks, amazing conclusions. But uh, so it's Wales 31, Scotland 24, and Scotland weren't very good at the time, and it was Chris Patterson's hundredth cap. And it felt like the team were really organised and really up for him to get him a really big win away to Wales. We hadn't won there for eight years, but actually we didn't win there for another ten years after that. Chris Patterson has to go off with a ruptured kidney. Um, Tom Evans, who is now a bit of a sort of celebrity shagger, who's been on um, X Factor, he's got through Kelly Brook. I think he's going out with Nicole Scherzinger <laughs> now. Um, okay. He's, right. he's a good-looking lad. Um, horrible neck injury. Had to be stretched off, face down. Never played rugby again. Um, and so Scotland had like scrum halves playing on the wing. They were, they'd had two men in the bin at the end, and with three minutes to go, Scotland led by seven points. Uh, and Wales score with about 30 seconds left to, to draw the game so conversion to draw the game kick it it's a draw oh that's a difficult one to take anyway there's enough time for a restart and the Scottish fly uh, fly half's in the bin so the scrum half has to take it all he needs to do is kick it out on the full for the draw but something possesses him to think with two men down and all the momentum with Wales I reckon we can somehow get a penalty out of this and win the game Kicks it back to Wales. They go straight out the other end and score the try to win by seven. Cut it. So, yeah, I mean, it's just the... I remember the surprise that we were playing well, the surprise that we were winning, and then to lose it. Oh, dreadful. And, and to lose it with such an avoidable thing, that that's often the worst thing when, you know, it's there's something that you could have controlled to, to avoid the defeat. Oh, yeah, and it is a bit of a thing in rugby that they don't really know how to react to draws because there's quite there's so few comparatively. 
So I think just taking the draw would have been seen as a bit defeatist. But because at the end, everyone sort of feels like you've you've failed to win rather than it being quite a common outcome in football. So, yeah. That's but, fair enough. But that sounded like one where it would have been a good draw <laughs> and nobody would have criticised that afterwards yeah. by the sound of it. Absolutely. Oh, that, yeah, I feel the pain. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's just so many as a Scotland fan that, but yeah, that, that yeah. one, that one. I mean, I talked about the one that converted me to being a Scotland fan and that hasn't even got a mention, mm. but yeah. Uh, <laughs> a so. lot to choose from. So mm. what's your next one? So my next one is, is of, of, of mine, the, the one that's most personal in terms of like the crushing defeat, but interestingly, we experienced this one together. It's Ghana, Uruguay. Uh, in the 2010, uh, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, 2010 South Africa World Cup. So yeah. Ghana, uh, it's the it's the quarterfinal, and people uh, people probably remember what happened at the end. So it's one one all going into the last minute, uh, and Ghana are on the attack. I think it was a corner or something. Lots of players in the box, balls bouncing around, gets headed towards goal. And Luis Suarez goes past the keeper, and Luis Suarez on the line does a, a volleyball impression and, and pads the ball away. Uh, immediate, obviously, penalty, red card. It was that you know very deliberate act. Um, it's thinking, well, if the ball goes in, we've lost, so I'm just going to do this. Going to get a penalty, and um, Asamoah Jan steps up and hits the bar so if ghana score we're in the semi-finals first african team that's my my uh my my country Ghana. but we're the first african team to make it to the semi-finals in the first world cup in africa where ghana had been adopted as africa's team and i think by a lot of other people as well yeah, yeah. Were, were one of because just of the way they played the game and just the, their attitude and everything um yeah and so the game goes to um, two penalties after that, and Asamoah Jan scores his there, but uh, but Ghana end up losing the match on penalties. So they're a penalty. First of all, if Suarez doesn't do that, and then you see him celebrating on the sideline, punching the air as he's going down the tunnel. I remember that. And come, yeah, and comes out afterwards to say, "I was the best goalkeeper in the tournament," etc., etc. Um, so yeah, it's both the, the um, yeah oh, the the the. The fact that if he hadn't done that, Ghana win. The fact that he just needed to score a penalty and they were still through and didn't, and then to lose in those circumstances. People overreacted and talked about how Suarez should be banned for, you know, for for several years. He was later obviously banned for other things, <laughs> but yeah. anyway, but not that. I mean, he missed um, the semi-final, yeah. didn't he? Because he'd have been. Suspended. He missed the semi. Yeah, but he. Yeah, yeah I, I remember that celebration. I always remember the clinching penalty. And I don't was it? Oh, I don't. I don't know if it was Cavani or someone who looks a lot like Cavani, and then could the Ghana keeper as well. Was, oh, you God. absolute bastards! So Just I don't final that. nail. Yeah, <laughs> that obviously helped with the, added to the pain. But yeah, we were in uh, one of our fave sports pubs, uh, yeah. watching that one together along with a few other I friends, remember that. family. Yeah, and that 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 really really hurt. Yeah, that was yeah. that was a bad one. Yeah. Well, I've got yes. another one from a major football tournament. 
Um, so I've gone okay. with Euro 2000. So, and I, what I like about this one is there's a bit of vindication that comes later. So, Italy, um, France in the final. Um, Italy one nil up. Uh, so they they don't have Buffon for this tournament. Uh, Toldo's in goal and he's really good in throughout the tournament. But anyway, Del Piero's through on goal at one nil to Italy. Uh, and has two one-on-ones that he misses. Um, and then in the last minute, I think it's Will Tord equalises and it goes it straight is. through Toldo's hands, really soft goal, which then goes through to extra time. Uh, and it's the brief period of golden goal. And in about the second or third minute of extra time, Trezeguet scores an absolute cracker rifles it in the top top of the roof of the net um, and like and it's kind of behind Toldo and you just see him like fall onto his haunches and I just think for to lose a major tournament like that was absolutely crushing and then we we watched back the 2006 World Cup semi when mm. uh, and Italy were 1-0 okay. up in that and Del Piero goes through on goal and he produces an absolutely lovely finish into the top to, to seal victory, and that felt like that was the kind of uh, kind of monkey off the back. And then they proceeded to go on and, and win the competition. So, but mm. you know, I just remember that I wanted because France had won the World Cup. I just wanted Italy to to win that. And um, yeah, that's a good that one. A that's a good one to take. That um, is my favourite tournament football tournament all-time year 2000 some of the best games have seen the semi france's semi-final it was very very similar a really late goal against portugal i think to take it into extra time and then another right. late goal to, to win it or something like that um and that france team i did want france to win because i think that's one of my favorites international teams ever i think they peaked between the two um well they won in 98 yeah, yeah. Well, they won one in 98 without a striker and then they had Henri and yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. like, Ooh, yeah, decent. And also had um, Dugarry, who played really well in that tournament. I feel like they even there was even somewhere else. But what 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 a team that that team was one of yeah. one of the the great European team, well, well global teams. Um, and they were yeah they got knocked out early in the two thousand two World Cup. But yeah, I really I love that tournament and yeah that that game that semi final was an absolute classic i have to admit because i wanted france to win i've never thought about it from the crushing defeat side yeah of it. so <laughs> but absolutely I mean, I was, that would be a horrible way to lose i was just trying to think of it as you could basically go through all the comebacks which are talked about as incredible comebacks there's someone on the other end of that so of course yeah the um and it's just that because i did the other one was i did think about um was the bayern munich man united final whereas because Bayern Munich had been in in around the Champions League final for a while, never won it. Yeah, not not in that sort of era. Um, but I think they did go on and win it a couple of years later and after after United. But yeah, I, I remember Samuel Kufour like pounding Banging around the floor. Like, oh, in I'm... slow motion in the yeah. replay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, they can't yeah. be much worse than that. That's a very good one, a really good one. Um, so I've got one more, which is. Um, so those first three came to me quite quite easily, and then I thought, oh, it just there must be something else I'm missing. And it, the what, <laughs> the phrase soul crushing is what brought this this one is why this one jumped out because 
I remember the interviews that this woman did after the defeats um, and one in particular where it felt like her heart had been ripped out. I think um, I know where you're going with this. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. Right, okay, let's see if it is the one. It's winter sport. Oh, no, okay. Okay, right. So this is this is um, short track speed skating. Elise Christie, who was like the British number one who was winning world championships all over the place going into the, the two Olympics, 2014 and 2018 Winter Olympics, as one of the key, the, the main gold medal prospects in three different uh, events, uh, I think from like 500 up to um, 1500 meters, and then conspiring to lose all six of those over those two Olympic games in increasingly disastrous and unlucky yep. ways. <laughs> So um, I was just looking this up. So in 2014, she was disqualified from the 500 meters, 1,000 meters, and 1,500 meters. Yeah. <laughs> after that, that's the one after which she got, she was getting abuse online from people. I mean, people are obviously insane. So I thought, well, I know what we'll do now. We'll abuse her as well. because She's not mm -hmm. suffering enough. Um, and and I think it was after the, the final one of those where she did an interview where she was saying stuff like, I'm not sure I can go on. I'm not sure I can take this. And I just thought this this is, yeah, it's the definition of soul crushing. Yeah. She was just, she was completely broken by it. But anyway, she comes back four years later. Uh, again, even, even more highly favoured to, to do well this time. Now she crashes during the 500 metres final crashes out of the 1500 meters semi and gets injured uh but then takes part in the thousand meters where she gets disqualified in the quarters and is carried off the track in pain i, I mean that. it's I remember that, <laughs> that is so she's the number one in the world and then suffers those six things in the olympics which is obviously the pinnacle of the sport i mean it doesn't does it get much worse than that i don't know individually how, no. do, you, how do you get through that and, I mean, she's not... I, th I think she's still going, isn't she? So I think she does have another... Olympic. I think so. Um, I mean, she's Scottish, so that's probably <laughs> the nature of, of the defeats. Where I thought you were going, that's, that is a really good one, that. Because um, mm -hmm. I remember just kind of... I just felt you got to really feel for her. Yeah. The one that I thought of when you said um, was uh, was a tennis one was Jana Novotna. Yeah, I know. right, so I remember that one too, and I did think of that initially. Yeah. Because her yeah. she cried, didn't she, in the presentation and like the, the princess sort of hugged her and, and it was just like yeah. means that so much. But she did she did win it. Yeah. Um a couple of years later again. A couple of years yeah, later again, yeah. So the yeah. That was a that was a heartbreaking moment, wasn't it? Where she just she just wept on her shoulder on yeah, on the Royal's shoulder and she was yeah, that was like, you couldn't help but feel for her. Yeah. Andy Murray's done that a bit as well. When he lost was it his first Wimbledon final he lost to Federer? To, to Federer, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. And And he so, rubbed yeah. his way through the uh through the, the speech at the end with Sue Barker. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it wasn't um, a dry eye in the house. No, but again, redemption eventually. So exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So does this mean Scotland are going to win the Rugby World Cup? Then is that the final redemption for Scotland? Well, no, because think? there's no no redemption yet for Elise, is there? So. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we'll see if that happens first. That might Good be point. a purely uh, a purely. Oh no, because Andrew, yeah, Andy Murray. Well, maybe, maybe we'll see. Mm. 
<laughs> Let's see. I've, actually, no, I've so, seen I've seen our draw for the next World Cup, so no. <laughs> <laughs> no, all right, not yet. Though. South Africa and Ireland in the group. Ooh, good. Um, right, well, right. that's um, that is a good a good short list. It is. Mm. I mean, I do I do feel that Man United getting crushed at home, whilst it might be soul destroying for them, it was quite funny for everyone else, and they had quite a lot of success to offset that. That is true, and Man U, even when they were winning leagues, used to throw everyone a bone by getting thrashed by somebody every yeah, season. Yeah, the Newcastle, Newcastle, Newcastle came out for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that that is that is true. Yeah, so I, I think mm. that would, that can can come off. I think um, I do. Uh, I like. The Buffalo Bills is a really good one because they never got that redemption. No, and they still to this day, based on that documentary yeah. I saw, oh, I cut up by it. You know what might have been? Because did they mm. did OJ Simpson was that was he before slightly before that period? He's yeah before before yeah yeah. Um, so I would I I think they probably deserve the top spot for that for the, mm. the repeated nature of, of yeah of that. Um, That's a good. So then the other ones we've got are Isna Mahu uh, mm-hmm. and Ghana. I mean, the Ghana one was that was tough. To think <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. I feel like che- we... is it cheating or is it just professionalism? Because he got well, caught. Is... So it's is it cheating? It's breaking the rules. I think he did a lot more things that were cheating, sneaky things that he would call cheating than that. That was a blatant thing where he, he knew what he was doing. He knew he'd be sent off for it. So it's less about cheating and more about just him being just a annoying character. So, well, I do think, let's come back to that. I, do, I think we have to recognise your pain, your Scottish pain. So that needs to be on there. Um, I'm not sure about Isna Mahu simply because... Um, I don't know. In a way, they both lost, <laughs> yeah, and both yeah, won, yeah. Because what what counted in that match is it's now one of the most famous ones in 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 tennis. So maybe not that going on. Um, so Scotland on. I mean that is number who because it's different. Maybe we should put that in the D. Maybe that could be the. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good shout. Okay, so that goes okay, on. Okay, so we do, and then so Buffalo Bills followed by. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, in a in a way, it would just be peak Scotland to to not make a podium. But um, <laughs> I think we can take to get pipped to gold would be classic. So if we put yeah, yeah. Scotland, where was Scotland in in silver, uh, and then and then it's Ghana and bronze. I think. Yeah. I think. Okay. Let's do that then. Because that so also felt uh, like that was Ghana's opportunity. They they were quite good. The previous yeah. one, they got a really horrible group, I think. Um, they kept getting like these groups of death with Portugal and like, USA yeah, and things like that. Yeah. I think that's twice in a row. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah, I think that pips the Italy one, um, which was very similar yeah. sort of circumstances. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, John Isner and Nicholas Mahu joining such illustrious company in the Dean Macy room with Usain Bolt, Graham Taylor... <laughs> Uh, George Michael and the, and the cast of Escape to Victory. So. That's very good. Yeah, like, that's like another thing to be proud of. It was worth playing for three days for that. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Into fourth place. 
Brilliant. Good, Good. stuff. Right. So next time, as a reminder, we're doing, uh, and yes, very much up for listener uh, responses for this one, for gold, silver, bronze, Dean Macy next time. We're doing rules that should be changed in sport, aren't we? Yes. We are. Yeah. So what we want to hear from you is, uh, yeah, what what would you change? What's what rules in sport would you change? And we will uh, we'll, we'll consider those among our. Yeah, our we'll have options. to do that quick fire because this will be going to be a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so. So uh, yeah, we'll come back to that. Uh, other than that, I think that's it for this one, isn't it? Definitely. Good. So until next time, goodbye. Bye.